Hey, young blood, let me give you a tip. Use your white voice. Man, I ain't got no white voice. Oh, come on, you know what I mean. You have a white voice in there, you can use it. It's like when you pulled over by the police. Oh, no, I just use my regular voice when that happens. I just say, back the fuck up off the car and don't nobody get hurt. Oh, man, I'm just trying to give you some game. You want to make some money here? Then read the script with a white voice. People say I talk with a white voice anyway, so why ain't it helping me out? Well, you don't talk white enough. I'm not talking about Will Smith's wife. I'm talking about the real deal. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer, this is Langston from Regal View. I didn't catch you at the wrong time, did I? Hello, friends and enemies. It's episode 188 of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. Now, boys, what if I could tell you that you could break barriers one conversation at a time with the power of effortless real-time accent translation? What if I could tell you you could make yourself heard, your voice, your choice. Who would turn down such power? Who would turn down such empowerment from the future, from technology? What, 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 would I, what would you say if I could tell you that these things were at a finger, were just a button press away, that these powers, these capabilities, this money was just a button press away? Would you embrace it? You're trying to make, like, what's the button do? Do I make an LLC? Like, what's on the other side of this? What if I could tell you that you needed to be ready for any opportunity with an array of accents at your fingertip for confident communication? Okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get murdered if I press this button. Sure, why not? <laughs> Change the world, not yourself. Uh, okay. Change the world, not yourself. <laughs> right. Okay, I'll press the button. What happens if I press this button? <laughs> well... Have you seen a little movie called Sorry to Bother You? <laughs> you have just <laughs> set yourself on a pathway to becoming a horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about the lovely um the lovely startup I got the I got the wonderful chance to write about. And also also other people I I think I love how So we're talking about this startup called Sonus. Which um, offers an amazing product, as Jathan was alluding to. It allows you to uh, turn your voice into a different. It translates your accent, um, and right now that means to a white American-sounding accent. But they claim it's going to be any accent to any accent. But right now it's white American accent. And um, one thing I really loved in writing about it, I wrote about it after SF Gate wrote about it, and then the Guardian wrote about it, and everyone was each trying to get their own like juicy quotes from. Uh, <laughs> from the founders uh, because they're just like unperturbed and undisturbed about the idea that like their thing could do anything wrong. They don't think that there's anything to worry about. They don't think that there's a problem. I remember in the guardian, they had a quote where the guy was like, um, yes, this is wrong, but a lot of things exist in the world. <laughs> the full quote was like yes this is wrong and we should not have existed at all but a lot of things exist in the world like why does makeup exist why can't people accept the way they are is it wrong the way the world is absolutely but do we then let agents suffer i built this technology for the agents because i don't want him or her to go through what i went through what, calling uh, tech support and getting someone with an Indian accent and getting frustrated because it couldn't understand them? Yeah, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yes. It was, was, there, was there a whole impetus for him creating this? This, yeah, this is, like it was created because he was like, look, like, people are incredibly, were incredibly racist to me um, when I was on the phone, and it was because I didn't sound like them. So I created this thing that makes you sound like them, and now you won't get discriminated against, and now they'll be nice to you. But it's like, 
there's a there's a few there's a few issues with this theory, right? The surveillance that the workers go through, the um, intense analytics that enforce higher and higher performance uh, standards, right? Like the idea that okay. We already put you under crushing pressure and surveillance. Now we can turn your voice white. We're going to make you have even higher productivity standards. Like the idea that's not going to be present. When I talked with them, they were resistant to that idea. And it's kind of wild. It's uh, like call center workers are there because they're like a first line of defense for angry customers, right? Um it's similar. They look the way that the work works. It's kind of structured similar to content moderation. It's it's similar to like all the sort of invisible labor that powers digital systems. It's the most traumatic stuff, the most difficult stuff, the most important stuff often. And the idea that you, you can change all of this by making workers sound white that just like reinforces the racism and does nothing to address it. So what's the point? Yeah. It. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, there's there's so much to to get into here because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's such a funny archetype of such a old like ten year ago startup, right? And like startup mentality. I mean, this is like it's classic like Morozov technological solutionism of like identifying, but but they're actually identifying a real problem in the world. Uh, you know, that like, yes, there is racism and, and, and people that work in call centers are subjected to all kinds of, uh, you know, a, a verbal abuse and, and like actual racism and things from people that they work with, their bosses, but also, of course, people calling in, right? It's like true, you know, it's, it's really awful. And that, and it leads to also like this really, uh, you know, uh, like, like, you know, racist, but like, you know, plausible, plausibly deniable kind of claims around, um, you know, our call centers are people that, uh, you know, are not in on the other side of the world, you know, like companies will, will do that, right? Where it's like, you know, we employ people down like right here um, at home, which is all just very like racist and nationalist, right? And like, yes, so they've identified a real problem, but their solution to it is so, so not a solution, so absurd. It's it's boss tech, right? Like that's what they've given and and dressed up in the language of worker empowerment. It's really it's really quite absurd. But also on the other hand, the founders are so are like such funny guys. Like I can't tell if they are just uh uh like extremely clever like marketing, right? Like uh like we're talking about it, you know, all these people are writing articles about it. You know, you, SFGate, Guardian, whatever, like they were definitely went through a cycle of like, you know, being tweeted about and stuff like that. Like, you know, and I, I jumped in on that and I saw it because other people were were tweeting and, and like dunking on it. And, I, you know, on one hand, like you can't pay for this kind of publicity, you know, and like giving like actually like wild ass quotes in on the record to different uh, publications is a, is a really smart way to get. Uh, you quoted a lot in a piece about the uh, about the art about the the technology. So I can't tell if they're just like really really clever at marketing um, their thing, or if they are uh, just like extremely naive, like actual like true believers. Uh, you know, it might be a little bit of both. But like you know, it, you you quoted from the Guardian, the founder being like, you know. Um, yes, this is wrong and our company shouldn't exist, but you know, we shouldn't also, we shouldn't have makeup either, right? Like we need, you know, we, it, 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 until we can change the beauty standards, uh, then we gotta, you know, we gotta do what we can to fit into the world until we can change structural racism. We gotta do what we can to make people's lives better. That contrasts very like hilariously and, and directly with what he said in the SF Gate article, where the the founder of the company was quoted in SF Gate saying that, uh, "quote We don't foresee anything bad coming out of this. <laughs> in fact, I'll take the opposite approach and just say this is a GDP shifting product. This will bring millions of jobs to the Philippines, millions of jobs to India, millions of jobs to places that otherwise wouldn't be allowed to enter that conversation." I mean, I do wish more tech founders would be so would just like explicitly come out and be like, uh, we do not foresee anything bad coming out of this would be it'd be like way easier to make them eat those words later. 
It's also like in one of the articles they said, look, this is this is a GDP growth engine, you know? Like this is going to create so many jobs and enrich so many people um, and then proceeded to just give an argument that well, it sounded like what we would, you know, what some people might say in defense of sweatshops, right? Look, like somebody's got to do the work and better them um, than anyone else. And it's also interesting the way that they want to scale it up. If you, um, they talked about it in, in, in the interviews, they want to do, they want to scale it up to business to business enterprises. They want to scale it up to healthcare. They want to like expand it to more, places where people's accents get in the way legitimately do get in the way, but also like, again, because of racism, um, and, and have no desire to affect, um, what causes the racism. And, you know, it's like, what's the point? Someone might say, well, what, do you want a startup to solve racism? It's like, no, I want, um, a startup that doesn't affirm it. You know, if we're gonna, if we're gonna suffer startups, right. Maybe don't make one where you're basically going, look, I get it. When some sometimes when you listen to a person with an Indian voice, your blood boils. Don't worry. We have a product for you. It's gonna make them sound just like you. And then you can yell at them for other perfectly legitimate reasons. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or or, you know, if this becomes like widespread, people can be like, What's your real voice sound like? Tell me your real voice. Yeah. <laughs> Are you American? And it's also interesting when you hear it, I listen to it. You can hear the absence of an accent. It's it feels like it feels flatter and there are less contours and nuance to the voice and the sound of the voice. You can tell it's an artificial voice and it sounds more like Siri than another person. Which I wonder how that will also react if you like are people going to now be hunting for like slightly fake sounding voices that rem- trigger them and remind them of being handled by a robot, you know, instead of a person? Yeah. On the face of it, it's it's absurd, but I I dug in a little bit more. And also, a friend of the show, Shoshana Wadinsky, also found some really interesting information about Sanus as well, um, because she was asking the right question. So I'll start with what what, what Shoshana found and and had a nice little thread on Twitter about and then uh, and and uh, shared it with me in the DM where Shoshana asking, you know, this is, this is why Shoshana makes, you know, it has, you know, is a professional reporter at market watch, right? She's thinking about then asking, then investigating the right questions about things like, how does this actually work? Why, why does it work? So, you know, Shoshana has a thread where she said, you know, the exist rightfully points out the existence of a white accent algorithm, which is what Sanus is, or, you know, presumably means that there's white accent training data harvested from countless white accented co- uh, consumers. And, uh, you know, ditto for, uh, as she puts it, you know, all of the quote unquote non-white accents they're training against. So where, do, where does this data come from, right? Like, you know, if you've got this AI, it's got you know, it's, it's to be based on data from somewhere. Um, and so what she uh, found is that Sana's uh, you know, after scouring job boards aimed at native Filipinos, um, which is one of the accents, uh, one of the, uh, the, the non-white accents that the algorithm um, says that it can, you know, whiteify, basically. Uh, she found a, a, a posting from Sanus AI artificial intelligence um, looking for native Filipinos to do studio recordings. So one time recording session only for three hours. Uh, talent fee is, uh, uh, you know, Filipino pesos 500, which is uh, almost nine US dollars. Um, so there, so in other words, that translates to, you know, they're getting professional studio recordings from native Filipino speakers um, speaking in English to use as as uh, as training data for the AI, and in return they're paying uh, less than three dollars an hour for uh, for these people to do this this the, to create this training data, and then of course like somebody was in you know Shoshana's mentions being like. Well, you know, they at that rate they make about six hundred U.S. dollars a month, and this is actually a pretty good wage over there. You know, more more than a lot of people make. And uh, I mean, one that presumes a lot of things that this is that they're getting that this is a real a full time job, which it's not. They're just getting paid 
like a, a one-time fee um, and they're doing this t- multiple times for many, many different people. But also it's just like, that's classic globalization of exploitation 101, right? Like good wage in the global South for good profits in the global North means a massive gap, means massive surplus value extraction, um, no matter how you try to justify it. But the point here is that, uh, it, you know, once we start tracing back the kind of like the, like the more technical questions of how does this work, it's raises all these other questions around uh, as well about like how Asana is getting this training data, right? From its white accented, uh, for its white accents and its non-white accents. And, and it, it looks like, I mean, what they're basically doing is going on like, you know, mechanical Turk equivalent or, um, one company I just heard about recently uh, that's based in in Australia called Appen, which is another one of these like like another one of these like growing sector of companies that specialize solely in providing um, training data for and specifically like uh, voice and and text training data uh, for like large language models and natural language processing, um, which is what this is as well. Um, you know, there's like these whole firms that specialize in training this and uh, or providing this data and like Appen claims to have over a million part-time contractors on its platform, which, which is just bullshit numbers, right? Like all that means is that like maybe if they're actually not lying about the million is that like a million people have like made a, profile on their job board that doesn't mean that a million people are working for them or whatever but what it shows is that there's like just this this mechanical turk style stuff right like there's this booming industry for training data for these kinds of like uh large language models natural language processor systems that if we listen to like Google or, you know, Apple or whatever, like this is the future of technology um, where, you know, while Facebook and, and, and A16Z, they're all focused on crypto. The real like hardline technology companies are focused on exactly this kind of shit Sonus is doing, like large language models, natural language processing, AI. I'm curious what you think. If we put on our thinking hats, if we dig into our you know, our little our little treasure chest and we pull out the monkey paw. What are the best and worst possible outcomes on this path? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what best outcome is we get some like uh we get like Alexa that sounds more human, right? Like we get like voice assistant bots that just sound like more natural, more conversational. We we get some like like funny filters uh, for your voice on like Zoom or whatever, right? Where it's like you know we uh, we can be having this uh, we can be doing this recording on ZenCaster and I can like click a button and then sound uh, like some you know sound like someone else, right? Or like you know it's like the deep fakes the the Tom Cruise uh, deep fakes on TikTok, right? Where it's like. I can press a button and sound like Tom Cruise or something like, you know, that already starts getting into some real like black mirror style, like nefariousness uh, in terms of what you can do with that kind of technology. Um, but I feel like that's best case scenario, right? Is that like our, our, our voice assistants become a bit more capable of hearing you and hearing different accents, which is also a huge issue. Um, you know, going back to Sonus, right? Is that like, uh, a lot of voice, ex- it's not even like, it's not even like non like native English speaking accents. It's like non-American accents, right? Like, like, you know, I'm in Australia and a lot of voice assistants have problems like hearing what Australians are saying. Or if you, if you just don't speak in a really clear, like American standard dialect, you know, so I think maybe that's best case scenario is that some of these models get better at understanding and parsing through a vast array, array of dialects and accents. And so they make these technologies more accessible and more convenient for people and they themselves sound more natural. Um, I feel like that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario uh, is, I mean, like, Sonus, I, I don't want to say the Sonus thing is worst case scenario because it's just, it's so stupid. Um, but it, it definitely puts us on that track, uh, in terms of like, 
like the types of things people want to do and the types of things that they think will be like solutions for, uh, uh, you know, the world's problems. And, and, you know, the Sonnet is like talked about so much in terms of, 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 you know, worker empowerment, right? This is a way to make you as a lowly call center worker, you know, abused day in and day out because of the way you sound, um, more empowered, uh, give you more autonomy, more agency, more choice. You know, if you look at the about page for Sonus, one of their things that they say is, you know, under the header individual choice is it says Sonner is speaker controlled at the push of a button, ensuring no one is forced to use Sonus. In other words, there's like a button that you push to turn to activate the Sonus, you know, accent AI or to deactivate it. And, you know, you as the speaker have the power to push that button or not. Not, you know, obviously that's wrong. If you know anything about how call center workers, uh, you know, are managed and how like these things are fucking, you know, iron cages of, of discipline and surveillance, um, you think that like a boss, a manager at a call center is going to be like, you know what, man, like use the, use the AI. It's a tool for you. Just use it. If you feel like you need to turn it, like it's fine. Like just use it whenever you want. You think that's going to happen? Or you think they're going to be like, we got data showing that if you use the AI, you make more money for us. So if you don't use the AI, you get fired. That's what's going to happen. Foolish. I said from the beginning of the pandemic, and I'm not alone in saying this, but when there was that boom in like working from home worker surveillance, like a lot of these, you know, software suites that were, you know, variously, you know, taking, you know, random screenshots of people's desktops, you know, tracking them and like their, their, you know, uh, mouse movements and GPS and all that to ensure people were working and give bosses more power from the desktop, from these software suites because people aren't in the office. That shit wasn't new. That shit was just new to you, right? It was new to a, like a new uh, sector of workers. Call center workers were already, you know, under the yoke of that stuff for a very, very long time. Um, that's, that's the, they're the vanguard for a lot of this shit. You know, it starts there until it goes to all of us. And it'll get even worse. I'm, you know, like as you've been saying, and as we've been saying here, right? Like, I'm, there's been such an intense drive to expand it, also not just to workers, to every part of society, to public spaces, to schools, right? Uh, to your home itself. Um, efforts to do it in the name of safety, uh, optimizing uh, the workflow, or optimizing efficiency of a place and anti-cheating um you know ensuring that people are doing what they're supposed to do and following the rules in an apartment complex as we covered in our last episode um i mean there's like constant self-justification for why we should roll out more surveillance um and more co a collection of data and i can only imagine how that would as, you, as you've laid out, dovetail with like this already existing drive to intensify worker surveillance at call centers and and make them more amenable and and uh, subservient and disposable, but also sounding white and like also getting the benefit of like, well, these are workers now that sound white, but they're still treated as non-white workers, which is to say, like a lot of the work that is dangerous, dramatic, and difficult, but also important. And invisible is done by you know black and brown workers uh, because they're treated in ways you would never be able to really get away with treating other groups of workers in an industry like this or that you have been able to only after decades and decades and decades of fighting protections against them right but now you you get to eat your cake and have it too they sound white and you get to treat them as you treat other non-white workers you think that might give like these uh these these man these like Western managers a bit of a crisis of conscience because you can't like as easily other the the global South workers because now they sound like you you're like oh sh oh oh like like you have to remind yourself oh they're 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 not real people they're subaltern <laughs> subhumans it's our right. I, just, I got fooled real quick because he sounds like my cousin Johnny <laughs> like, oh, <shit." laughs> I think um, that is a possibility. But I do think that since a lot of the places have 
managers who are on the floor and in the place itself, they might get away with it, right? Because at the end of the day, you can get up from your desk and you walk over. You're listening in on the call and you hear them sound white and you walk over to their desk and they're not. And you're reminded. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. We're still only paying you 50 cents an hour. It's okay. And it's for a reason. <laughs> that's right. Now, let me put on my uh, McKinsey consulting hat here. Uh, and and let, me, let, me, let me lay out to you a potential... Uh, uh, management reorganization that could happen with the AI, right? So can bring, you know, the, the founder saying, you know, this is a GDP shifting product, right? It's going to, it's going to offshore all of those uh, call center jobs that were onshored, um, you know, because now as you, as you're saying right now, people can say, sound white uh, and also still be exploited uh, at, at global South levels. Uh, so win, win. However, you know, these AI systems, they're expensive. You don't just buy them outright either. Either, As we know, these are services, right? It's a subscription model, I'm sure. Right? It's an ongoing payment that you got to have. Combine that with things like, you know, the gig economy, Mechanical Turk, you know, stuff like that. Why, Ed, now why should a, a call center like corporation have to be paying for an AI service just so you can do your job, right? Like, why, you know, you, you could have a choice here, right? You as a worker, if you want to work for us, that's fine, but you got two choices. Either you need to go to accent training school so you can naturally, you know, sorry to bother you style, put on a white voice and sound like David Cross or Patton Oswald, uh, or you can pay for this Sonus AI service. And you know what? We'll do you a solid here. We'll just take it out of your wages, right? We'll take the subscription for the Sonus out of your wages. So you don't have to, you know, you don't have to worry about it. We got, we got a, a, a enterprise partnership with Sonus. And so we'll, we'll pass on those savings to you. And we'll just, you know, we'll just take like a cool, like 25% of your wages every month to pay for the the Sonus subscription. Now, if there's any cons- if there's any management consultants listening to this, you legally cannot use this uh, information. <laughs> I, I yeah. will I will I will find you. I will sue you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, don't include I, I what like I'm that's about. That's like like monkey paw. Like like if it, I, it's it's the real curse knowledge of like knowing how this shit works and knowing how it could work worse. Uh, but also having too much of a soul, like too little power to do anything about it and too much of a soul to not get paid for my, for my, my, own, my knowledge. But like, I feel like that's not so implausible that, yeah. that, you know, this would become some like, you know, the cost is just passed on to the workers. Um, or it's like, you know, they're, they're not employees. They're, they're, you know, contractors who are working you know, using the uh, call center platform, but they're just freelance contractors. However, like, you know, you're not going to get the good jobs. You're not, not going to get money. You're not going to get shifts if you don't have access to the Sonus AI service, right? Like there's all these like employee co- employment kind of management workarounds to essentially you, you know, be like, well, this technology exists uh, and we're not going to pay for it, but you, the worker, have to pay for it if you want to work on our platform as a call center. So, like all now, now all of the uh, the you know added profits and stuff, you know, added revenue that might come from using you know from from putting your your AI enabled white voice on are just eaten up by the subscription to the AI enabled white voice uh, service. You know, just thinking of this could create so much growth for the economy, having this white boy AI service. I mean, you ever wanted to catfish someone, uh, but you just can't really, you know, configure your voice properly? Well, now with our app, you can sound like your your own personal fuckboy, right? You can construct the voice yourself, review it, model it over based on uh, other audio files you may have and approve of. It's whatever you want. Um, you you want to sound like Colin Hanks or Chet Hanks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Badmonting. <laughs> you know, that, um, that'll be a third of the business. The third of the business will be like 
sounding like a white boy who's taking on an, an accent they shouldn't be taking. You know, it's going to be that that AI rapper that Capitol Records shared. It's going to finally let white. It's going to finally let white dudes say the word. Yes, well, we can talk about this. That's a good segue. You know, something that kind of made my blood boil, my ears ring. I I did not read about as much about it in the initial days around it because I was just like, what? You said earlier, and I thought it was such a good point that. Um, it feels like we're in a throwback to like older, more nostalgic forms of racism with these AI. I do want to get onto the AI rapper of Capitol Records because I think it's it's just extremely funny. It is a throwback. But before we get to that, I did also want to ask you, Ed, what's your monkey paw with Sonus? What's your worst case scenario? Oh God, my worst case scenario? Are you fucking kidding me? Um, I've got another one in my mind as well that I'll bring up, but I want to hear your worst case scenario with Sonus. One of the most creatively racist companies is Bank of America or Wells Fargo in that I've read reports of them um, having fake application processes for black applicants um, on top of the redlining, on top of like the extra fees that they take from black account holders, on top of the discrimination that they have on black employees. I'm wondering if Wells Fargo could take, you know, could dial up that racism to, um, right now it's at a good, it's at a good 17. They could dial it up to 20, 25 maybe with a Sanas, right? Maybe, maybe what they can do is they can, Never hire another black worker and use their vo- their use their um, voice system to uh, make their white uh, uh, employees sound black, so that they can target black applicants for accounts and loans, and charge them higher rates because they think that they're getting a deal that's not motivated by racism, since it's another black employee at the company telling them, no, this is a good deal, but in reality, they're getting overcharged or exploited. So maybe that, like that frontier of racism where now we're going to use the accent to match you with someone that drops your guard so we can uh, steal even more money from you and, and get you into worse conditions, tie you into worse contracts, make you give up more rights in a deal uh, than you might otherwise because you thought we were racist. But haha. We still are. Just we used the uh, we used the uh, accent translator to you know drop your guard. So I think I, I feel like that could be another flip side to it. You know, instead of not just conforming to ra- people's racist beliefs, but allowing them to supercharge them and exploit them by dropping other people's guards, thinking, okay, I'm not gonna. This person won't be racist to me. Quite a few years ago, um, actually about 20 years ago, really, I uh, I applied for a job. And I did a phone interview and the phone interview went really well. And then I never heard anything back from the people. So I went, went to their office a week later and asked to speak to the person that I did the phone interview with and he came down to talk to me. And they, and they called and they, they hit the big red button and called the cops because six foot three, super bearded Jeremy's being like, yo, why didn't I hear nothing from you? <laughs> You're like, oh shit, it's another one. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you what what happened. The, the first thing out of the guy's mouth was, "Oh man, I thought you were a black dude." Damn. <laughs> and I asked him, like, do I do, do I sound like one? I'm like, he's like, no. But we look, took one look at your name. They thought my name was Jerome on the paperwork, is what they said. Jerome <laughs> Brown. They said, ah, oh, we can't hire this guy. And uh, he was like, well, that's a relief because I thought you were a black guy. So we can sit down and talk. And I was like, well, I don't want this job anymore. Nice. <laughs> the, the things white people say to other white people when they think that you're like on the same level as them is really quite, really quite wild. Oh, oh, whew, what a relief. I thought you were black. Now we can actually talk about hiring <laughs> oh you for this God. job. <laughs> Jesus Christ, bro. And Ed. That's just some that's some devious shit. I did not think about flipping it and reversing it and using like other like non-white accents as a way to uh do like more predatory targeting and lull people into uh, a false sense of security. That's some that's devious. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be bad. 
TMK gonna, Consulting, where the, we'll where the it. K stands for <laughs> consulting. This machine There's, consults. Yeah. <laughs> I, it'll either be form McKinsey or Bain or um, Wells Fargo. One of them will come up with it first, and it will spread like wildfire. What you got to do in the U.S. with that is you got to get a someone who's got a posh British accent to do all the the voiceovers because Americans for some reason think that they hear that accent and it's uh there's someone oh, with yeah. some type of intelligence speaking to them. So, Oh, they start drooling. You know, People start yeah. drooling when they hear British accents. Yeah. Let's throw a, throw a David Tennant accent in on it and just, no, oh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch could, man, we're, we're going to see an explosion of multi-level marketing schemes from people deep faking Benedict Cumberbatch uh, <laughs> voice. <laughs> Honestly, uh, Coinbase should have just been doing that the whole time. Coinbase and Crypto.com, they should have just deep faked celebrity voices, right? I mean... Maybe they didn't have to because you just have to pay the celebrities a lot of money and they'll be like, hey, they, they don't need to do that because the celebrities are, are, are more than willing to do the real thing. I want to get in on uh, another another highly plausible monkey paw worst case scenario. Um, well, all right, not worst case scenario because worst case scenario is like I don't know some like AI existential risk bullshit uh, <laughs> that like is gonna you know motivates people to uh, do whatever they can, whatever they want to do now because it's gonna save humanity in the future or whatever the fuck. On that side note, uh, on effective altruism and long-termism, I heard, I think it was uh, uh, Jason Prado, a friend of the show, um, had tweeted that he listens to, and if it's not, then I, whoever it was, um, tweeted that they listened to the New York Times da- uh, podcast, The Daily, just kind of like their daily news, current affairs kind of podcast. And I saw that, like, they were saying that, like, every other episode of The Daily which is a daily podcast has a, an advertisement for the long-termism book. Oh, Jesus fucking fucking ad spin by, uh, William McCaskill and the center for effective altruism is like, really, really is I guess this is your, your utilitarian calculation is saying that giving a bunch (laughs) of fucking money to ad agencies is, is doing good for the world. I, I don't know, man. I don't get it. That's how smart I am. The the bougie grocery stores in Seattle have that book on the end caps. Oh my god! What the fuck, man? Like Burn this shit is wild. The ad spin on that is so. Yo, how many lives? How many lives could they have saved with the fucking billion dollars in ad spin that they're doing right now? You know how I want to. I want to see. I want to be in the room. I want to hear the recordings. I want to see the the back of the envelope calculations that led them to be like, because I'm sure they actually had serious conversations where they were like, well, you know, we could spend this, uh, you know, $250 million on advertising this book uh, and getting, you know, or we could spend that $250 million on saving X number of lives by donating to X, you know, ABC charities or whatever. Um, however, the money spent on the advertising will spread our reach, which could cause more people to become effective altruists, which you know could cause X number of dollars of multiplier and donations. And you know, that's the f- I guarantee you that's the fucking like tizzy of logic they work themselves into as a yeah. way to justify making William McCaskill into a cult leader, uh, you know, into a, a fucking like inorganic celebrity. Uh, you know, like, like I, this is my favorite thing about that shit is the way that they, they use, you know, logic to, uh, uh, justify whatever the fuck they, it is that they want to do. It's going to happen. Anyways. We already <laughs> talked about that shit. I don't want to yeah. get on the thing. They, they done got me. They done got me. Yeah, they're going to get us. It's gonna, we have to accept that we're just for the rest of our lives going to see these people spend billions of dollars on promoting their own books. And they're going to think that's the that's the way that money should be spent best. 
It's the most effective use of their money. That's how you save the world. Buy the book, save the world. Buy my book. In my book, I have five quick steps to save the world. Buy my book. Shouldn't they be giving the book away for free? No, Jathan, see, no, 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 no. You see, you're underestimating the power of spending your own money and buying into my idea and giving me more money has and how much it binds you to the cause and empowers you to build up your own thing so you too can be an agent for effective altruistic change in the world. I fucking hate how plausible that line of <laughs> argument sounds. <laughs> Justify selling the book instead of giving it away for free. That uh, no, no, you know, economics shows us that you know people really don't find themselves connected to a cause until they put some skin in the game. F- fuck, fuck you, <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right, let's get back to the other uh, the other bullshit that we're talking about, <laughs> uh, Sonus. So here's here's another worst case scenario, but not worst case, uh, but like plausible monkey paw usage of of this shit. So it's not specific to Sonus, but it's more about like the uh, all the investment and development and advancement of like the large language models of natural language processing ai of these kinds of capabilities and systems um you know that sonus is plugging into and and kind of and and contributing to and it's in its own way or taking from or whatever but also as i mentioned that like this is where like google has really pivoted hard and has put a lot of their money and time and attention into these large language models is what we talked about with um uh, or is what i talked about with dan mcquillan in the last episode back when you were uh working at at, at a defunct steel factory in pittsburgh ed um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. what i talked about with uh, with dan mcquillan that like this is what got tenant gabru fired was not like the work that she was doing around like sexism and racism in uh, technology or in AI or bias or whatever, but it was the paper that she co-wrote talking about the environmental cost and thus like res- resource uh, limits, material limits to um, these large language models, right? And so it hit Google where it really matters, right? They can do the diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff to, to assuage the, you know, to absolve themselves of the sin of racism and sexism and, and, and transphobia and whatever. But when you start actually talking about like material limits to their ability to develop these technologies, that's when they peak, that's when they, they, they peak up and they say, can't, can't be having none of that. God, God crushed that. So Something like Sonus and and these other uh, large language models, NLP systems. One usage that I heard about uh, recently in some of my work on InsureTech is that uh, talk about like personalized AI recommendations, right, from your insurer, right? A kind of like actuarial AI angel sitting on your shoulder, you know, watching what you're doing taking note and analyzing of how, how you behave and then giving you real-time recommendations, interventions for how you can, uh, you know, behave better, right? Like eat better, you know, drive better, do this better. In other words, you know, make you a, a less risky and better, uh, better subject in the eye of the insurance. I was talking to um, a person who works at an insure tech startup uh, and, and it's one of these insure tech startups that specializes in the kind of behavior based, uh, you know, data and analysis to provide like scores and, uh, kind of, you know, adjust your premiums according to how you, how you behave, right? Like, you know, this was, um, I won't say anything more than it was, a uh, uh, a vehicle telematics, so automotive insurer that uses the kind of black box style data collection, right? That's like, you know, monitoring how you drive, when you drive, where you drive. Uh, I'm currently getting slapped in the face with Archer's tail, with my cat's tail. It's very funny. Um, but 
And so it's one of these companies that monitors like where, when, how you drive, and then uses that information to not only adjust your premiums, but also provide you with tailored recommendations for how to drive better and therefore, uh, you know, have lower prices for your premiums. Now, currently, the like the only the thing that's standing in the way of these insurance companies, and there's a lot of these companies that really are going heavy on hyper personalization. It's not just automotive; it's also health, um, home, life insurance. All of these, the thing that's really preventing them from going hard on the the hyper personalized, uh, you know, feedback and interventions is that they don't have the natural language processing capabilities for an AI to actually give you like really tailored, uh, you know, advice to be like, you know, you drive, when you drive to work, what they would love to do is something like, you know, when you drive to work at 8 AM, you regularly change, uh, lanes when you're crossing the railroad track, However, you should you should change lanes before or after crossing the railroad track, not during, and that will cause a you know five percent increase to your um, to your your good risk uh, uh, metric or whatever, right? Like that's what they would love to do, but they don't currently have the the in the natural language processing um, AI capabilities to do that. So it's a much more blunt algorithmic like spreadsheet style where it's like. You know, they have a list. It's more like if then, right? They have like a spreadsheet that's broken up into categories and stuff. I won't, I won't say much more than right now, but just to say that it's a pretty blunt algorithmic, uh, system that's like, if, if this happens, then give this, uh, this prompt or this push notification to the person. So it's not very tailorized or very tailored at all. It's, it's pretty, pretty blunt in that way. It's, it's pretty uh, generic. Um, so all that's to say is that talking about these large language models, uh, and the advancement thereof, it's not just the, like the really stupid usage, uh, and the, the like old, like 10 year ago tech sector usage of like Sonus. It's also gonna, it's also like, directly contributing to the ability of say your insurance company to literally act like a little like Jiminy Cricket, uh, an actuarial angel on your shoulder, like constantly keeping watch and, and like, you know, providing you with these hyper personalized, uh, interventions and feedback and recommendations and stuff like that. Um, on top of like, you know, essentially like Lemonade, one of the biggest insure tech startups, you know, one of the first insure tech unicorns, all they are is like, rental insurance or home insurance with a glorified AI chatbot. Um, and so like a lot of these companies are already trying to use this like, uh, you know, this kind of like AI natural language processing stuff to, to set themselves apart and all they, all, and they're just jonesing for um, something like, you know, the advancements coming out of these various app, you know, startups like Sonus and all that, you know, which I would not be surprised if it was like, you know, acquired by Google or Alphabet in the near future and then, you know, shelved as a product, but acquired for the technology or, or the data training set, you know, or whatever. Like, so that, that, that to me is like the real monkey paw usage of this stuff is not, not what it appears to be right now, but what it uh, in the background is contributing to uh, in the in the near future. <sighs> what a wonderful world. What a wonderful world we live in. Isn't that great? Doesn't it just make you feel tingly inside to think about <laughs> all this? Wasn't that a plot point in Snow Crash about uh, trying oh, to get everybody it. back on board with like the uh, Tower of Babel? Everybody spoke a common language, so it was easier for workers to communicate. Everything. Uh, Neil Stevenson predicted everything, and everyone said, I think I like what this guy's doing. We should do it. He's, a, he's the tech company, The Simpsons. The Simpsons did it first. In this case, yeah. uh, Neil Stevenson <laughs> yeah. wrote about it first. And everyone said, wow, I think I can make it work this time. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to Neil Stevenson, but I'm different. I'm going to make it work and it's going to be great and everyone's going to love it.
All right, well, let's move from Neil Stevenson to Ernest Klein. Let's get some Ready Player One shit. Let's wrap up this episode <laughs> on a on a on a on a funner, lighter note. Uh, yet again, uh, in the from the annals of um, innovation for white people to finally be able to say the word. Uh, <laughs> and what's what's up with Ethan Mecca? So there's this wonderful. Excuse me, what's his name again? <laughs> F N Mecca. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, basically, this uh, virtual rapper was created. Um, he looks like six uh, nine, um, but with a single color hair, and uh, he's a virtual robot rapper. And he was signed by Capitol Records, right? He's supposed to be this black male cyborg. He's going to be um, offering uh, new, exciting music. But it was actually like he's, – oh, so he's been around. He's been around for a while, right? Like since 2019, uh, there have been a bunch of songs he made. There's a music videos that he's made where he has um, – you know, he shows his signature sort of partially shaved head with green braids. He sold an NFT. It was of a, of a toilet or some shit. He's got millions of followers on TikTok, right? They revealed, over 10 million followers uh, on TikTok. But I think it was um, people got mad and the artist eventually got dropped. Artist, the stupid fucking AI bullshit. It's not even AI. The the I don't even know what the what the proper word to call it to communicate both how fake it is and how um, and its digital representation. But the FN Mecca was dropped because it was just made by this guy who's by two people who have one guy who's a video game artist and another who's been in the industry music industry for. I think a decade and made his own label behind it. Right. Both of them are white and both of them said, Oh, well, you know, we used AI, but we, but we, but you know, the raps are real. That's by, by a real person's voice. And we were going to make more uh, artists and more rappers who are going to be voiced by real person, partially powered by AI, whatever that means. Um, doing digital virtual videos, um, NFT sales and representation on NFT on uh, TikTok, right? Um, he got dropped because uh, started saying so- the N word a few times. Um, start started um, getting some backlash because it seems it it seemed like a, a white guy uh, honing in on stereotypes that he wanted to push through this artist that, uh, but then like try to figure out a way to monetize it and, and create a, a formula for having like white people do the voice for a black artist and get the money out of it. And then in a statement, which I love, I love when statements for these sort of, uh, fucking <laughs> things happen. We offer our deepest apologies to the black community for insensitivity in signing this project without asking enough questions about equity and the creative process behind it. We thank those who have reached out to us with constructive feedback in the past couple of days. Your input was invaluable as we came to the decision to end our association with the project. This is ridiculous it's like it just it feels like a fever dream um you know where like they basically they were like okay human voice but we're using ai to create the lyrical contents the chords the melody the tempo the sounds it's going to be the next generation of virtual beings i remember one of there's there's this one quote from one of them from uh the the music industry guy anthony martini he was the founder of the label factory new told a publication music business world at the worldwide at the time not to get all philosophical what is an artist today Think about the biggest stars in the world. How many of them are just vessels for commercial endeavors? Word. You know what I like to do? I like to justify a thing that is a bunch of white people um, creating a, uh, an, a virtual being that just says the N-word and uh, does a, a, some stereotypical raps. And I love to say, isn't it just a vessel for vibes? You know? And one vibe I've always had is wanting to say the word. And you know what? I think I found my calling. I think I found the perfect vessel. Um, then he said in a Tuesday, he anticipated, uh, you know, New York Times also did a write-up on this where they reviewed, they said, you know, in an interview, he was like, I anticipated the the, the deal would be canceled because, quote, blogs that have n- latched onto a clickbait headline and created this narrative. 
He said that FN, uh, FN Mecca was in fact primarily an anonymous human rapper. He's a black guy. And not this malicious plan of white executives. It's literally no different from managing a human artist except it's digital. He added that the team behind FN Mecca was actually one of the most diverse teams you can get. I'm the only white person involved. Okay. <laughs> 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 then he said, he said, yeah, I love how he says this in five minutes later. He's like, yeah, there was some trolling initially. You know, uh, the New York Times writes, Martini noted that while there was some trolling initially in rolling out the video game style character who curses, has face tattoos and sports a half shaven head of green braids, the use of digital art avatars could be freeing for some artists. The question was, how do we break an avatar as if it was a real artist, not a spectacle? It unfortunately turned into a spectacle anyway, right? There... The thing that really set people off and how I was introduced into it and the thing that made my ears ring and me stay away from it was an image that went around social media where FN Mecca was being beaten by a police officer in prison. Okay. All right. The Martini said, some of the early content, now if you take it out of the context, it obviously looks worse or different than it was intended. Word. I'm sure I'm sure there was a way to interpret your fake your white your white voiced fake virtual being rapper getting beaten in prison by a police officer. I mean it's just we talk a lot of also about how technology is deployed in ways that are like outwardly malicious, but here is just one way that's like mindlessly malicious and kind of sustains some of the worst elements, right? The use of black trauma porn, the um the, the idea that, well, you know, we want to disaggregate the things that are cool and nice and awesome about human beings being artists and take it into a virtual element where any white guy could just have the voice and come in and the content and all the other things that make music music and art art are actually automated, if we, but not really automated, but, you know, our AI is behind it. And reducing artists to the idea of vessels for commercial endeavors is really just a way of saying like, hey, look, we're just going to like manufacture outrage cycles and interest in this. We're going to have a police brutality arc. We're going to have like um, a lean arc. We're going to have uh, the fucking, uh, what was it? The um, Florida Water. I think that was the debut single where they had a Fortnite rapper and they had Gunna. I thought they fucking had Gunna on the track. And they had like Gunna and a Twitch streamer guesting on the track. <laughs> oh my so god. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned Fortnite. It just sounds like he's targeted to like 12 year old suburban white kids. He looks like yes. a Fortnite character. He says the N word and he's a rapper. That's yes. all they need to know. And they're in. Like it, yeah, and he's digital, so he looks like a Fortnite avatar. Yeah, that's why he has over ten million followers on TikTok. I mean, it's very, it's it's so absurd. Uh, I mean, we can wrap up, but I think one of the things that that weirdly both Sonus and this whole like F and Mecca thing have done is it, it shows how good, uh, how how good some of these technologies and how how good some of these like really just fucking like naive like baby brain people behind it are actually really quite astute at like like abstracting away all of the other context and just like giving you the pure essence of like what's wrong with the system right and and then but then also being like well you know this is fine. This is good, actually. You know, like FN Mecca is a perfect representation of how record companies do treat actual artists and especially, you know, now treat uh, black artists, people, especially black artists who are coming from, uh, you know, uh, poor, like poverty or, uh, you know, other kind of disempowered contexts where, you know, there's a vast power asymmetry and then you can like, you know, trap them into a, a record contract where you own them, right? It's a form of uh, legalized indentured servitude. Um, you know, just wait for our episode coming uh, uh, in a few weeks with uh, Corey, Dr. and Rebecca Giblin about their book on, on uh, choke point capitalism. But at any rate, what they've done is they've just like abstracted all of that away and given you the pure essence of like 
you know? Well, what, what, isn't it better if instead of the record label like doing this to a person, we just do it to a, a, a an avatar of that person, and then and then like we can actually own them because they're IP, right? Like we can we can treat them in the way that we wish we could treat people as property, uh, as intellectual property to own and control um, completely. And, uh, you know, this is actually progress because now instead of, act, uh, you know, pointing out the, 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 like, you know, absolutely fucked system, we can be like, no, we're working or we're working with the system by ensuring that people are not being, you know, exploited by the system. You know, we're either give, we're either eliminating them from the system by just being like, you know, this automated AI created artist, right? What's an artist anyways, Ed? You know, like it, it has nothing to do with humanity. Uh, it has to do with intellectual property uh, output and generation. Um, or we we create technologies like Sonus that are, that are born from a fuck system, but rather than try to change the system, you just be like, now people can work within the system better. You know, it, it's like they 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 enter into it with whether knowingly or not an identification of a problem and a critique of that problem but then they spin out of control when they start thinking about what's the solution to this actual problem I've identified. It's instead of changing it, it's to uh, lean into it even further, right? To abstract away all of the complexity and, to, and then just get to the pure essence of it and be like, that's the solution. You're right. I think, I think uh, we've learned from these two technologies applied that there's a lot of potential in disaggregating and wiping away the racial attributes or trying to disaggregate them from a person and a subject and figuring out what's the best way we can, you know, allow whiteness to snake in here. What's the best way we can allow this to present a universal experience, but really we're just presenting or purport to present a universal experience. What we're really just offering is like another way for us to define, you know, some, some universal way of consuming it so that we can jump in at and, and extract as much as possible in each interaction so we can make sure that the way you're consuming music is through like our virtual beings and we'll create a wide variety of beings so you get every sort of type of music you want from them uh, whether it's racialized or specific to some some sort of sound or genre um, and similarly voice vocally if you want to make sure that the accent matches maybe we can even merge these two technologies together and we can have FN Mecca instead not even be voiced by a person but just like an algorithm that makes an accent sound black and so no one will ever again be mad at us perfect it's perfect, right? We just we live in a, a automated economy for automated agents, uh, and people are just uh, extraneous to that. That's that's really the capitalist goal here, right? Like like the the barrier to to infinite capitalist growth is the fact that the only value only comes from human labor. Like that's the problem that uh, capital has been trying to overcome. Uh, for hundreds of years is the problem of uh, of of humans, right? Like if we can somehow get value to not only be not only be produced by inhuman agents, but then be consumed and circulated by inhuman agents, that's that's ideal, right? Like humans are the thing that's really standing in the way of uh, of infinite capitalist growth. Well, you know, with the with with Allah's will and uh, just and and fury and light behind us, and with all this technology, we will get humans out of the way. That's right. Oh God, we're going to get them out of the way. That's the real rapture. Exactly. <laughs> well, that constitutes an episode of This Machine Kills, <laughs> and so. <laughs> Oh man. Um, all right. Well, uh, you, dear listeners, can find us for. Um, ever more episodes over on patreon.com slash this machine kills for additional premium episodes every single week. So find us over there on the premium feed, uh, find us on the free feed. Um, until then, wherever you find us, see you next time. Adios.
Machine killed.